0: First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel, according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now, a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He's gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I I, I shall repay it three times, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost the gospel of the
2: lord want to begin by setting the scene you know this all happens in the ancient city of jericho which you would recall was the first city that the people of israel entered upon establishing themselves, settling into the promised land, where God had instructed them to walk around the city walls seven times, singing out the praise of God, and a seventh time, consecrating that city to the Lord, what happened? The walls came tumbling down. We know that as we read this story, there's something similar happens. As Jesus enters the great city of Jericho, other walls come tumbling down, the walls that separated sinners from God, Jesus led them to their promised land, which is a life of holiness and goodness with the Lord. So that is the beautiful backdrop as Jesus enters into this ancient city. He notices there was a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and a wealthy man. I'd like to say a little something about tax collectors back in the time of Christ. Of course, they were no more popular than the IRS is today. But even worse, tax collectors were the most despised and despicable people in all of Israel. And they were considered this way as sinners and traitors because they worked for the enemy, the Roman government, who oppressed the Jews. They were, as I said, sinners. They actually received the right to collect taxes by bidding for their job, and after they received their assignment, they got their investment back by charging what would be an exorbitant amount of money over and above what should have been collected, and oftentimes by extortion, which is to say by pressure or by force. And in all likelihood, Zacchaeus collected his taxes in the company of an armed escort in order to pressure people to hand over more money than what was their due. For these tax collectors took off the top whatever they could get. And this little profile of Zacchaeus gives us this picture of a very greedy and dishonest businessman who later in mission in the gospel cheated people. And probably that's how he became so wealthy, considering especially the fact that Zacchaeus now was the chief tax collector. He must have been in charge of other tax collectors throughout the Jericho region. We might say that Zacchaeus was at the top of his profession, but at the bottom of the barrel spiritually. Where we hear then in the gospel, Zacchaeus was trying to see what Jesus was like, but being small of stature, he was unable to do so because of the crowd. I like to think of Zacchaeus as the little big man. He was small in stature physically. He was small in status spiritually and socially in the eyes of his fellow Jews who looked down on him. And yet, on the other hand, he was a man with a big position, who made big bucks, and even more, had a big heart and desire to see the Lord. So we hear that Zacchaeus first ran on in front, then climbed the sycamore tree, which was along Jesus' route, in order to see him. I'd like to say it this way. Zacchaeus was willing to literally go out on the limb to see Jesus. But keep that in mind. First of all, sycamore trees, you might know, are very difficult to climb. They're very tall trees, and they don't have bottom branches. And even more difficult if you're small. Jesus just comes along then, certainly more by providence than coincidence, and he looks up and sees Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I mean to stay at your house today. It seems that Jesus knew Zacchaeus and his at least his reputation. For when he sees Zeke, as I like to call him sometimes, Jesus very decisively takes the initiative and invites him to come on down. Come on down. I mean to stay at your house. That expression, I mean to stay, shows great intention. It's a very deliberate action on Jesus' part. Or, I could say, Jesus himself goes out on the limb. To go out of his way to seek out Zacchaeus, even more than Zacchaeus went out of his way to seek Jesus. They're both going out of their way to meet each other. Zacchaeus hurries down and welcomes him with delight. I love that expression. He welcomes him with delight. It's interesting to me that Jesus was willing to come to Zacchaeus' house before his house was all in order. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we imagine that the Lord couldn't come to us till I get better or get my act together. You know? In fact, the opposite is true. Jesus seems to be more attracted to sinners who are falling apart, who don't have it together, who need to be saved. It seems like those are the people he first comes to. I kept imagining that Jesus came to Cincinnati. He would come first to the cathedral, you know? That he would come to the rectory and have dinner with us. Upon my reflection in this gospel, I don't think so, except for the fact I think we are the greatest sinners, and I think maybe so. But it wouldn't be because we've got our act together, or because we're the center of the religious happening, but rather, Jesus comes to the place where sinners are. And so, it's also striking to me that Zacchaeus was so willing to welcome him. You know, he could have said, like maybe some of us would say, oh, no, my house is a mess. Or even more, oh, no, my life is a mess. And we hold Christ off at bay because we think we're not worthy. Well, in fact, that's true. None of us are worthy. But fortunately, that's never the question or concern with Christ. And so all we need to do is put out the welcome mat. Whoever, however, or wherever we are with the Lord, and He will come, but he only comes by way of invitation, even though certainly Jesus is trying to invite himself into our lives right now. but we have to open the door to let him in. and Zacchaeus receives him with delight, as I said that word tells us so much because whenever a person really, truly, deeply meets Jesus, I believe they simultaneously experience the light and joy joy is the incredible infallible sign of god's presence that comes to us or someone once said that joy is an acronym that could mean if we put j's meaning jesus first o meaning others second and y referring to yourself third the lord will always come to us and that is how we experience joy, that's the byproduct of having Christ in our hearts and in our homes. Well, when Jesus entered Zacchaeus's house, we're next told in the Gospel that when everyone observed this, they began to murmur, He has gone to a sinner's house as a guest. What I read was that at the time of Christ, strict Jews considered tax collectors to be, quote, ritually unclean or morally impure because they had continual contact with Gentiles, and secondly, because they worked on the Sabbath. And rabbis taught their disciples that they should not eat with tax collectors and sinners. And so, for Jesus to enter into Zacchaeus's house as chief tax collector and exemplar sinner, it would have caused a social or spiritual scandal in many of colleagues or peers' eyes. It was interesting to me. I was, as every Monday morning, there's a group of priests of us that meet here at the cathedral to look at the upcoming Sunday gospel and to share insights and ideas as we pray and reflect on the gospel together. And a pastor friend of mine who was here said he learned recently that one of his good parishioners had fallen off the wagon and is back to drinking again. And another parishioner informed him that he was in one of these low-down bars in town. And he thought maybe if the pastor went to see him, he could help him. Uh, well, the pastor admitted, I wanted to go and be of help and support to him, but I was afraid to go into this bar that's not exactly a family tavern because I was afraid of what the people would think and say. Isn't that interesting? But as he read this gospel, he knew exactly what Jesus would have done. Now, where is the Lord calling us? It may not be what is familiar Turf or comfortable terrain. It may be alien to us to be in these circles of people the Lord is asking us to go and reach out to one another, especially in in time of need. In any case, Zacchaeus stood his ground and said to the Lord, I give half my belongings to the poor. If I had defrauded anyone in the least, I pay him back four. Fold. Wow, what a confession. What a sign of repentance. Zacchaeus not only invited Jesus into his home, he had now invited him into his heart. And when you invite the Lord into your heart, he does rearrange things, he does start changing things around. And the first thing he will do is he will stop the sin. And what was Zacchaeus' sin? He was ripping people off. He was cheating people. So he knew the thing to correct is to pay back fourfold if he had cheated anyone and give half his belongings to the poor. Because no doubt, remember, his probably his number one idol was to make money. He was a wealthy man. And yet uh, we see here, as in Luke's gospel always highlights, giving alms to the poor is a sure sign of righteousness. And I ask any of us here to realize the the great spiritual stature of Zacchaeus and how quickly he's growing in God's eyes. How many of us will go home today after hearing this gospel and give half our belongings to the poor? You know, you understand what this measure of generosity is incredible. I, I read about what does it mean that, why did he say four times? In fact, in the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it was mentioned in the book of Exodus that if you stole anyone's sheep, you're to pay him back with four sheep, four times more. And yet this seemed to be a very strict thing. I thought, boy, this is what the courts ought to do, you know, maybe uh, today. But because of how much that was being asked, most rabbis at the time said that a twofold restitution would be sufficient. But you understand, again, Zacchaeus is going out on the limb, going the extra mile to give even more, to follow the strictest observance of the commandment of the Lord. But not to be outdone by Jesus, okay? Jesus is never outdone in generosity. And Jesus says to Zacchaeus, now that he's given away his material wealth, Jesus says, you have all the spiritual wealth of heaven. He says to him, today salvation has come to this house. For this is what it means to be a son of Abraham. Yes, Jesus goes way out on the limb and offers salvation to the sinner. Salvation means, you know, to be delivered from the bondage of sin. And we suspect that Zacchaeus' possessions had possessed him. And that his, his wealth had certainly kept him From coming to know a greater wealth, the treasure that the Lord gives us. Presumably, although Zacchaeus was wealthy, I imagine him to be not happy. And yet, when he discovered the Lord, he discovered his happiness. For the line, the gospel that ends, Jesus says, The Son of Man has come to search out and save what was lost. In other words, this is why Jesus came to Zacchaeus, and it is why Jesus comes to all of us. I tried to, in my own reflection, draw a few quick lessons for us today. I'd offer this as a suggestion to us, but you might want to come up with even better resolutions for yourself. I believe, like Zacchaeus, today we are being invited to go out on the limb to see Jesus ourselves, and to experience him in our life. For truly, Jesus is coming along our way. He's always coming along each day, coming to us. But we have to go out of our way to go to church. We have to go out of our way, as you have gone out of your way, to come to this gospel study. And in these ways, these simple ways, but no less sacrificial, to make the time in a busy schedule. I think of the crowd that tried to keep Zacchaeus from Jesus is our schedules and appointment books that sometimes crowds us out, crowds the Lord out. We've got to find our little sycamore tree, that place we can go to to see and hear and experience the Lord. And I hope and pray that this gospel study is such an experience of the Lord. I trust it is. I trust whenever we open the gospel, we open the door for Christ to come, and He does. Secondly, like Jesus, I suggest, as I have already, that we need to go out on the limb to one another, especially sinners or a brother or sister who's in need, to reach out to them, especially to those who don't come to church who don't experience the Lord, or are in some kind of trouble, we need to find a way to go out to them. And as I say, it won't be so easy. It's difficult, it's difficult to uh, reach out. We don't know what people will say. We don't know how we will be received. But I'm inviting us this week to consider sharing our faith, our love, our prayer, our friendship with another brother or sister. There are so many Zacchaeuses in our city here, aren't they? You know, more than half the people of this nation no longer go to church. And how many of them are waiting for someone to bring the Lord along to them? Finally, like Zacchaeus, we need to invite the Lord with delight into our home, not to worry about the condition of our soul immediately. But invite the Lord into our hearts. Even as we speak, you can be thinking and praying. Come, Lord. Enter the heart of my home. The home of my heart, rather. Come to the deepest center. Come and invite him, if you will, into each room of your life. Into each area of your life. Into each issue of your life. Your finances. How, Lord, do you want me to budget my time? Budget my money? budget my attention? What are the things, Lord? Invite him into every area of our life and the Lord will bring his peace and love and joy. He will take over if we invite him to be the king of our hearts and our homes. Let me end with a story. Many of you have heard me share this story before. I hope it's worth repeating. It is in my mind the greatest experience I've ever had with an encounter with Zacchaeus in my life. A number of years ago, I was ordained a priest here at the cathedral in Cincinnati. Certainly the greatest day of my life and all my family shared in that great joy. My father had invited everybody, you know, to come and especially the immediate relatives and family including my uncle Ken Willig who at the time lived in California. Uh, He wasn't able at first to come, he thought, not only because of his busy schedule and his commitments, but even more, he said, because he felt so alienated from the church and from his family. You see, my uncle Ken had been divorced three times and had not come to church for quite a number of years. He felt he wasn't welcomed because he committed what he felt or thought was the unforgivable sin of divorce and remarriage. But because of my father's persistence to invite him, he came, and yet interestingly, more because he felt, as I mentioned, as the lost lamb of the family, he did not sit with the family in the first pew, instead, he found what was the closest sycamore around. He sat up in the balcony of the cathedral just upstairs. And interestingly, as he so wonderfully said, he thought during the whole ceremony that the action was down on the floor where we were being ordained. He never imagined that the Lord would look up, see him, and call him, come on down but in fact that's what he heard. Not that he heard any words, but he had a powerful sense of Jesus' presence. And it is as though Jesus was welcoming him back home. Mind you, he had not been to church for many years. And telling him that he wanted to come to him regardless of the fact that his life, spiritually speaking, was a mess. And As he accepted that, he had this tremendous feeling, not of shame, which he imagined would be the case, but instead of peace and joy, as though the Lord accepted him unconditionally, just as he was for who he was, though truly in his own mind and in Jesus' mind, he was a sinner. And then the next day, my uncle called me and we got together he said I've got to talk to you and he with his permission I tell this story came up to me and said I'll never forget it we went for a little walk and he said Jim I'd like you to do me a favor I'd like you to hear my confession and I said really I said you realize this is my first day on the job I'm not too sure I'm so good at this and he said yeah I thought I'd get you while you're hot well, I really did not know what to do because I knew my uncle had been married and divorced so many times, and I wasn't quite sure how to handle this, and oh, and it's a relative on top of it, and this is my first confession. I was scared, and I said, Well, let's take it slow and just let pray. Dear Jesus, please come. And then my uncle shared this powerful spiritual experience the day before of how Jesus came to him, and then I thought. Well, if Jesus came to you and loved you for who you are, just as you are, then I trust this sacrament is celebrating what has in effect already is happening. So the real key now is to say, what would Jesus ask of you? Why don't you ask the Lord, like Zacchaeus, what should I do? Now, keep in mind, my uncle was a wealthy man like Zacchaeus. In fact, he was a self-made millionaire. He owned an exclusive tennis club in Newport Beach in partnership with John Wayne, the famous actor. And I asked him to go home and pray about what the Lord would really ask of him and to search and read the gospel. For therein will lie the answer to what he must do. And he did. As wealthy as my uncle was, he was not happy. Newport Beach, California, was not the place to live, for him, a Christian life. And he was falling and failing in many ways. And when the Lord came, he rearranged everything. The first thing was he had to sell his club. He sold his tennis club. Next thing, he moved out of the city to start a new life. The next thing, he began to pray and read the Bible every single day. The Lord has, what should I say, renovated his whole interior house, his whole lifestyle. And by my uncle's admission, he's not finished with him yet, as the Lord's not finished with any of us. And now, after that experience, my uncle has written this Little booklet entitled The Free Gift. That is to suggest what he experienced of the Lord is the free gift of salvation. And this book, he's been giving this away to thousands of people as his testimony of how Jesus came to him and the work in him in such a wonderful, beautiful way. Well, I'd like to believe that Jesus wants to come to all of us. And that as I have come to see for myself, I am a sinner like Zacchaeus. My house is not all in order. My life is not all in order. And the Lord wants to rearrange some things, keep working on this, so that I can experience not only his presence more, but to experience the fullness of his peace, his joy, his love. And He will do that if we welcome Him and, as I say, if we go out on the limb, to receive Him.
0: Thank you for listening to Father Jim's Gospel Teaching. We hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends. The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.